0: But the voice of truth tells me
1: a different story. The voice of truth
2: says do not be afraid. And the voice of truth.
1: Welcome to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. You're listening to the only show in America where you'll experience the fusion of church and state. So on the Voice of Truth Radio Show... We'll be engaging in vigorous, robust discussion on culture, history, and current events, all from a biblical perspective. We're on, folks, every week, Thursdays at 5, Saturdays at 3, the same show. We meet once a week and uh, do our thing here, Pastor, at uh, Voice of Truth Radio. We podcast at Voice of Truth with um, Mike Azinger. And uh, you can find our old shows there. We've only been on, been on the air not even a year. We were talking right before yeah. the, the show started, but we have um, we have the honor of having uh, uh, an exciting guest. Somebody I've actually interviewed in a, a radio show I had in Indiana ten years ago, and uh, one of the one of the most profound stories of redemption um, in. I don't know how many decades, but Mm -hmm. uh, Abby Johnson, who a former Planned Parenthood uh, worker and uh, her story of how she came out of the industry in a book called Unplanned. The book is phenomenal. The movie they made called Unplanned. Mm -hmm. The movie's phenomenal. Powerful. And uh, so Abby Johnson, uh, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Of course. Thanks
0: so much for having me on.
1: Absolutely. So we just want to uh, uh, we just want to start and we want to hear your story. And we want our people to hear your story um, about how you know, you grew up a, a church girl and um, on, on a college campus, you were kind of seduced uh, into the Planned Parenthood industry, for lack of a better word there. You were uh, it, something you found enamoring about it. And uh, maybe you could just ex- explain how you ended up in, uh, in Planned Parenthood.
0: Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a uh, Christian home and, you know, I grew up pro-life, but um, we didn't really talk about abortion that much. I think, you know, my parents were just like, oh, we're, you know, we're pro-life, we're against abortion, but we didn't talk about the ins and outs of what that means or what it means to be pro-life or pro-choice, so... When I got to college, I met a woman who was with Planned Parenthood and she started, you know, giving me all of the the pro-choice talking points about Planned Parenthood and the pro-choice movements and safe and legal abortion and, you know, someone who didn't know much about it. I mean, it all made sense. So, um I started volunteering just to sort of get a sense of, you know, what they were talking about and, you know, were they really helping women? And once I was once I was in, I mean, I, I felt like I was helping women. I felt like, okay, like if women are going to have an abortion, at least, you know, let's do it in a safe place. And um, that, I mean, that was really it. I just started working my way up. The Planned Parenthood ladder eventually became an abortion clinic director, or the, the clinic director for the facility I worked, which did perform abortions. Um, and I ended up being there, unfortunately, for eight years.
2: Hmm. That's something I've always wondered uh, about the industry. I know when you got involved, Abby, you, you felt you mentioned you felt like you were really helping ladies. At, at what point did that kind of start to? dissolve for you and and is that typical is it is it a typical thing to kind of get involved in the industry feel like you are helping ladies and then there's kind of this trigger point where you have to almost make a personal moral conscious decision to ignore what's really happening and kind of fool yourself into the fact that no we're really helping women or, or kind of how does that how did it transpire for you and, and what do you think is the case for most most women who are working in that industry
0: So I can tell you, I mean, I run a ministry now to get abortion clinic workers out of abortion clinics, and the most common thing they say to us is, I got involved in the abortion industry because I wanted to help women, and I got out of the abortion industry because I wanted to help women. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So, you know, they they get involved. I mean, nobody... Starts working in abortion clinic because they're like, I want to kill babies. I mean, that's not, you know, that's not. I mean, that's not what happens. So they get involved because they're they're lured in, right, right. by all the, the smooth talking points that the abortion industry hands out, and um, or the money's good. I mean, let's <clears throat> be honest. Like they they pay really well, and they sort of target vulnerable populations. So they target like people coming out of college. So, you know, you're coming out of college and you're going to get paid like 22 bucks an hour to be a receptionist. Like, yeah, I'll take that job. Right. <laughs> right, right. Um,
1: I'm
0: 20 bucks an hour, you know, or they target single moms. Um, they target like people in lower income areas to work for them. And then they get them addicted to a specific lifestyle, to a particular lifestyle where you're making a certain amount of money, and then you're trapped, and you feel like you can't ever leave. Mm. So, um, you know, the same way that they target a, a specific demographic to come into their centers to have abortions, they do the same thing with their workers. So, I mean, you know, I I got involved thinking, oh, I'm going to help women here. And I, I don't really, I mean, there were like, maybe a couple times where I was like, eh, this feels like sort of not good and you just sort of Mm. say no i'm doing a good thing here you know but really my last year that eighth year there was a lot of stuff happening that i I was really thinking what is going on you know and Mm. i but i think it was just because i remember thinking okay is the organization changing or is it just that now i'm so high up in the organization I'm finally seeing what we've been about all along.
1: Yeah, you said. And I
0: realized it was really the latter. Yeah, I mean, it was. We had been that way the whole time. I just hadn't seen it. Yeah, you
1: know. Yeah, uh, I was watching a, a video. Uh, your I think Sheila Walsh was interviewing you. You, I think the number yeah. you gave was 70 percent of women that work in the industry have had an abortion. Is is that a correct number? Yeah. so why why is that yeah, what yeah, this, so if, if a gals had an abortion what what draws her into the industry
0: well I mean I think it's just you know when you've had an abortion it's like well, how can you I mean you can't tell somebody I, I think you feel like oh I've done it so I can't tell anybody else you know not to do it and and then I think there's sort of a there's just a draw. Like They're like, well, somebody helped me in my time of need. Huh. So I'm going to help somebody else in yeah. their time of need. Yeah, that's really... You know, it's just sort of like this feeling like I need to give back or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it seems like there's a, a definite culture in it as well. I mean, there's this understanding that this is a crisis point for, for a lot of ladies. And you get brought into a, a um, at least a... They think it's a caring community for the things that, that they're going through at that time. And, and in many ways, there's a very pragmatic approach to this. Hey, here's a solution. We offer the solution. We offer it in a safe way. Let's take care of it for you. But it, but aside from the pragmatic outlook on it, I'll explain some of the spiritual battle that happens with this type of a thing. There's a certain blindness, I would imagine that spiritually is just there? And then and then maybe even in your case, what what do you think clicked to open your eyes or, or maybe opens other ladies' eyes to say, you know, this just isn't right? Maybe explain some of the spiritual battle that takes place.
0: Yeah, so usually what we find with our workers anyway is, so typically, like, two things happen. One of two things happens. So either there's been an incident with a woman so they sort of something happens and a woman is hurt or they come to grips that with the fact that they're not helping women okay or there's been like a traumatic event with a woman like a woman was died on the table or a woman you know hemorrhaged almost to death on the table or you know something like that there's been something that happened to a woman or there's been something that happened to a baby that was traumatic so a baby was born alive and then was killed afterwards, or, you know, they watched a baby die on the ultrasound or, you know, something like that. Like there was something traumatic with the baby. Those are usually the two sort of like one of those two things that sort of like the catalyst for a worker contacting us Mm -hmm. because it suddenly becomes not what they thought it was. And, and so it, you know, and then, it is hard, though. I mean, because once you realize, like, oh, this isn't what I—I I don't know, like, this isn't, this isn't what it was, what they told me it was, right? This isn't yeah. what they said it was going to be. Mm. Then you're having to admit, oh no, like I've participated in what abortion really right. is, and that's murder.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's that's a hard pill for anybody sure. to swallow.
1: Yeah, uh, that's that's it, it's it's really amazing um, the number of gals that work in the industry and and if you, going back to the movie movie in the book you know you you had not really seen a lot of what went on in the back room and you get this opportunity to to sit in on on uh, on an abortion and you were actually kind of excited about it right and uh, and then then that's when uh, the whole watershed event of your life takes place and the whole. The, the most beautiful part of the movie is the transformation in your heart there, and then you go um, uh, next door to uh, the guys that had that ministry uh, right next to the clinic. Just a phenomenal story. But uh, could you, I know you've told it a, a thousand times, but if you could just give a, a quick overview, because it's such a, a beautiful story of, of what the Lord did at that at that moment in your life. Yeah, so I was
0: asked to go in to assist in an ultrasound-guided abortion procedure. ultrasounds are not typically used during an abortion procedure, um, but the doctor, the visiting doctor there uh, was going to use one that day. And so I was asked to come in. Um, I was assisting in that procedure, holding the ultrasound probe on the woman's abdomen. And I watched as a 13-week-old baby fought and struggled for his life against the abortion instruments. And I knew then that there was life in the womb, there was humanity in the womb. I knew that if those two things were true, then I was on the wrong side of this debate. And I ended up uh, leaving. I reached out to the people who had been praying outside of my clinic for the past eight years you know these people who i had always seen as the enemy
1: (laughs) (laughs) suddenly they were the people
0: that i was that i was turning to you know because i thought well if anybody's going to understand like the horror right that i just witnessed it's going to be them so um i turned to them and they really befriended me in a way that I, i didn't even expect and um i ended up leaving Planned parenthood Three weeks later, once Planned Parenthood found out that I was, like, no longer on their side, they ended up suing me. They tried to get a gag order against me so I wouldn't be able to talk mm. about all the things that I knew. Wow. That obviously failed. But that propelled my story into the media spotlight. And honestly, if I if Planned Parenthood had not done what they did,
2: mm.
0: I'm not sure that I would have the platform that I have today. Wow. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, I watched the movie as well, and it was beautifully portrayed, I thought. Uh, but one of the things that, that I wondered about, and, and that kind of came across in the movie as well, is almost how cultish uh, Planned Parenthood is as far as how they draw people into the industry, and then once you're part of the industry, if, if you ever want to question it or leave, there's almost like this mass attack, or this, you know, like you would see in some cults, this, this uh, desire to try to to silence you and destroy you. Is that is that kind of the the true landscape of what takes place there? Oh, yeah. You know,
0: I don't know if y'all watched that that Scientology doc, documentary thing that Yeah, I've seen of, some episodes Remedy of it. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I was like watching it and I was like, "Oh my gosh, like there were so many things that I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is exactly what it's like what yeah planet. wow it's totally
1: yes a cult wow right? yeah.
0: it's, it's so many things like it, like the threats you get when you leave um just all the brainwashing that happens while you're in there there's so many like parallels I was watching I was like oh my gosh like the grandparents like
2: like
0: <laughs> yeah, was, 2.0 I mean it's crazy that's
2: kind of the feeling like, I got when I watched the movie I'm like man these people are hardcore when you try to detach yourself from them
0: oh yeah like you try to leave like it's like it's like almost like they dock you i mean it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like go after you like hardcore you know <laughs> it's and like
1: hotel they, california they, they you like can check you... out anytime you want you can never leave
0: You bad references they'll like blackball you in the medical community wow. um I mean, like, look what they did to me. They gave yeah. me like their employee. Of the, they gave me their employee of the year award. Yeah. Then when I left, they said I was a terrible employee. <laughs> I'm like, you just so take gave that. me your employee of the year award, <laughs> and obviously I was not a terrible employee, idiot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Right. Yeah. So they, uh, they're, uh, they're mean, but they're, they're uh, obviously of the devil. And they, uh, The gal that portrayed the, the mean, the mean uh, gal at uh, Planned Parenthood. Was uh, was that like a composite of a number of personalities? Or was there actually an individual who who turned on you uh, in such a vicious manner?
0: Yeah, that was really hurt. That, that, no, that, that was like really portraying my boss, except my boss was worse.
1: Really? Wow. I was yeah. wondering if it was. It, People it, are it,
0: like, is there really a lady that mean? I'm like, yeah.
1: I'm <laughs> <do> that. See, <laughs> anybody that is is out. To make a living at killing babies is probably not going to be the most <laughs> pleasant guy, yeah, that's lady crazy. to meet in the. No, I mean, uh, but um, she
0: had worked there for so long. You know, she was just like really, really hardened. You know. Yeah. I mean, she'd worked there for decades, so it was
1: just yeah. Uh, was, so what what, know, what what's the, what was the lady's name? Richards. Oh, what's her first name? The gal that's like over. Yeah, the seal. Cecile. Cecile. Now, she was she was the daughter of uh, Governor Richards of Texas, right? Yeah,
0: and. and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she's the daughter of Andrew Richards,
1: yeah. She, she raised quite the Jezebel. I mean, this lady, uh, it, it's just ama- amazing to me the zeal an individual can have just, just, just to kill babies. But we're so glad that you're on mm-hmm. uh, the pro-life team, Abby, and uh, we just uh, love having you uh on our team, but uh, we just got a few few minutes left because uh, uh, we're getting uh, our, our times getting sucked away here but i I did want to give you a chance before we left uh, before we hung up I, just to talk a little bit about and and then there were none because i I love this ministry that you started I think as as much as anything that you've done in that how, how you're reaching in in the Grace of God uh, uh, and His mercy is bringing these these ladies out of uh, the. Abortion industry, where you uh, so aptly described them as being trapped in a lot of ways. This is this is just a beautiful thing that this ministry does. Maybe just explain a little bit for our listeners um, what you did there. And uh, I I was watching the interview with you, and you said oh, I prayed for somebody to start the ministry, and and uh, <laughs> then after about four or five months, I figured, okay, God's saying I got to start it, <laughs> and that always stinks, right? <laughs> but uh, that's what you did, and uh, so six hundred. Uh, ladies, it just—I—I I, I have chills right now. So, um, just explain for us, Abby. Just uh, a, a few—just uh, uh, take a few minutes and explain the ministry to us.
0: Yeah, we started in June 2012, and uh, honestly, like when I when I got it started, people were like, "Oh, that's never gonna work. Like nobody, nobody's ever gonna become. Nobody's gonna. No clinic worker ever gonna become pro-life." And I'm like. Hello. Yeah. I, I just came
1: a I mean, how about moi? And you were saying. I mean, it, I was sort of just, all your I was, friends I was were saying, no, I can't do it. Uh, how about I know. that? How I'm about like, that? Uh, you know you're
0: talking to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but people, it was weird because people were like, you know, but that's you. You're different. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not any different. Like, I'm just a sinner in need of a savior, right? Oh, yeah. Like all of us. So Amen. it was really weird. It was just sort of this weird. Feeling in the pro-life movement, like like some people are just too far gone, you know. And I just didn't believe that. I was like, no, I just I don't believe that. Like I no, I just will not believe that. I refuse to believe that. And Mm. so, um, you know, we got it started, and but honestly, I think the pro-life movement, like they needed somebody to blame, Mm. and. They, you know, they weren't going to blame the woman, so who were they going to blame? Well, the people that are in the clinics, right, that are performing the abortions, like, they're an easy target, let's blame them, instead of, like, blaming this this whole society hmm. that is normalized, that is glamorized, right. yeah. that has yeah. abortion hmm. for almost 50 years right. now. Right? Yes. So, it was like, let's blame the worker. And, but what they had really done was they had done to the abortion clinic worker what they had accused the abortion clinic worker of doing to the unborn. And that was dehumanization. Hmm. Like we had just, we had participated in this huge cycle of dehumanization. And, and so I, I just let it become my mission to bring some humanity back into the lives of these clinic workers. Hmm. And so we started doing it. People said nobody would leave. It's never going to happen. You know, they sort of patted me on my, on the head and said, that's adorable. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. um, the first year we had fifty-three workers wow. that came through our ministry, well, and and the goal is not just like get them to leave and, go yes. and get a new job. This is what it's I like. Explain this. Yes, yeah. So the point is, like, we count success as an abortion clinic worker leaving and coming to salvation through Jesus Amen. Christ. Amen. Yeah. So we've had six hundred workers do that. Wow. So, um, so I mean that's amazing, right? So six hundred. Souls that will be with yes. us in eternity,
1: mm-hmm. and that's, so that, that's
0: amazing.
1: That's about one a week. You're you're yeah, bringing right? you're bringing yeah, it's 20, one 000, a week, right? huh? That's that's phenomenal. It's 20, yeah, awesome. Praise God. Yeah. Good, good for you. God bless you. I, I got a buddy who's a uh, a former drug addict uh, that has just started a ministry. He and his wife just locally. He's got like half a million followers. But I was talking to him the other the other day, and he said, "What you got to do is you, you can't just get them." Off of drugs, you got to get him to the altar. You mm. got to get him to Jesus Christ because yeah. there has to be that heart change. That's what you had, Abby. You had a heart change. You, nobody can deny that 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 uh, transformation that uh, you had. And now you're, uh, uh, boy, you're just doing such a great job, and we're uh, we're just proud of you and honored to have you on the show today. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for
0: having me. Always happy
1: to be on. All right. So this is Abby Johnson with. Uh, Uh, what's your you got? And then there were none. And do you have another ministry also? I do. Yeah, I have
0: another one called Pro Love Ministries.
1: Yeah. Pro Love Ministries and the book, which you you must read, folks. Is Unplanned. If you don't read, watch the movie Unplanned. They're both excellent. Thank you, Abby Johnson. Thank you, Abby. God bless you. Have a great day. And uh, you're listening. Yes, absolutely. All right. So you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We're going to be back right after this with more great stuff. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I am your host, State Senator Mike A. Zinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey of Fellowship Baptist Church in Vienna, we both have colds. We think we think <laughs> we, we sound, really sound like radio people. Because this is going colds.
2: out to all you Christians out there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I
1: said, if we could keep this cold. People might think we actually have talent. That's right. <laughs> that, that's right. So we just had Abby Johnson on with, uh, and then there were none ministries She um, wrote the book, or uh, somebody co- ghostwriter wrote, I'm sure, but her book is unplanned which is a must-read. It's just a, truly a great book. Mm. And the movie, Unplanned, is great also. Uh, but the story of how she came out of the abortion industry. and um, It doesn't uh,
2: sound like it was an easy thing to do either. I mean, the, no, that Planned Parenthood. I mean, from pay. her own words, it's like a cult. You know, yeah, it's, it's like you're into something. It's not
1: like Jesus runs Planned Parenthood. No. You know, the devil's there. Yeah, Jesus uh, is nowhere near that thing. But... He works everywhere, yeah, right i 'm sure a lot of people have stories of of getting saved out of the mm-hmm. abortion industry a lot of uh, uh you know the the local women 's care centers are excellent by yes, the way they are and they they win people to Christ mm-hmm. at these women care centers and um, i don 't know if you've ever been to one of their banquets in uh you know like since i 've been here they
2: 've been not in California, and here i've been invited to a couple of them from yeah. the local the local uh, group here and but they've been canceled the last two years with the yes. COVID and
1: everything. So. Well, the gal who runs it, uh, Janet Kimes, has is a wonderful Christian lady, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> her whole staff, I believe, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, they're just great ladies, love the Lord, and and one lady in particular, I can't think of her name, but she she had an abortion, and I've seen her at these women care centers banquets in in tears, yeah. you know. Because the wound is, is still there. Absolutely. You'll carry that all your life, but God's mercy is is always abundant
2: and present. Amen.
1: New York City uh, superintendent and critical race theory advocate is ousted, O-U-S-T-E-D, ousted by uh, the school board and local parents, a New York school superintendent and avid Backer of critical race theory was voted out. Wow! By a school board this week, this decision was taken after anger from parents boiled over. I yeah, love absolutely when parental anger boils over; <laughs> it's a great thing. It boiled over on Martin uh, Cox's plan for a. Diver- he's the guy that got ousted, uh, Martin Cox, for a diversity task force, coupled with uh, their di- uh, displeasure on how he handled other duties. So, uh, critical race theory critic Christopher Rufo, who we talked about on the show, raised the story on Twitter saying, quote, A school board in Rockland County, New York, forces the resignation of Superintendent Martin Cox, Mm -hmm. who was pushing for a critical race theory-based curriculum.
2: Yeah, and this guy was radical, too. I, I listened on the news to some of the things he was purporting to want to do in in really captivating these kids' hearts and minds toward this critical race theory thing. And I'm telling you what, these people are aggressive, and they are maniacal mm-hmm. in their ability to be able to try to push this agenda down our kids' throats. And what a great thing it is to see these parents rising up against this garbage. I
1: tell you, you are just seeing more and more of these boards of education meetings and, uh, and these parents just having tirades, and well, they should – because parents are sovereign over their kids, that's right. not the boards of education, right. not the teachers, uh, the parents. Right? God has given us parents authority over our children. Our children don't always believe that. Often our children. <laughs> often, so our we needs chi- to tell our
2: kids this, right? Yeah, that's right.
1: Often, our children. No, uh, I own me. Yeah. But uh, parents, that's that's God's order. So, uh, folks, stand up for your. God given rights and God given duties. All right, so here's a great little story from a group called Intellectual Takeout. This, these guys aren't necessarily Christian, but they're from Hillsdale College. I think you mentioned, Pastor. Mm-hmm. Hillsdale College was was started as a Baptist school back yep. in the middle of the nineteenth century. That's right now they've le- they left. I think they're not as strong in that area as as they were. I'm sure many years ago. Still very
2: conservative and
1: very conservative. Mm-hmm. And great on the Constitution. They take no federal money um, or state money. Hey, I take state money. <laughs> <laughs> it's called my paycheck. Uh, but they don't take any, so they're better than moi. Uh, all right. Here now, listen to this. Listen to this uh, title of the article. What kind of school will help your kids to be happily married?
2: That's a great title. Do
1: you ever hear anybody recommend a school that will? Uh, help you uh, have a good marriage after you graduate? No. (laughs) no. Is it ever considered? Nope. Not that I know. Maybe in Christian colleges, but here it is. The debate over the merits of private schools versus public schools tends to revolve around their relative success in boosting test scores, right? Right. Or graduation rates, uh, college admissions, the, which are more successful in giving children the skills they need to thrive in today's economy. Utilitarian questions like these frame most contemporary discussions of the value of private versus public education. That's what this article uh, seeks to uh, distinguish. But there is more to life than excelling at school and work. What about for, uh, forming women and men of good character, Good citizens and good spouses and parents,
2: mm, and that's so important. And you know, I think that if you are a a person or a culture or a school that values the fabric of a society, you, you would tend to want to focus on developing something that would help the family, because as the family falls apart, so our our social structure falls mm, apart. Yeah. And so to see to see a school or an academic body even consider you know, focusing on what would what would make a good spouse. How do we train kids to do these types of things? It's, that's remarkable in our culture that we live in today.
1: It is. Uh, so it goes on. Let me just mention a few more things. Um, I'm going to go on down, scrolling down here. Um, all right. So figure one below displays the proportion of American adults from each school sector who are – in intact marriages have ever divorced and have ever had a non marital birth. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's uh that's really PC. A non marital birth. That's like okay. <laughs> uh it does not adjust for backgrounds. All right, so here here we go. It um specifically, the auth- authors found that adults who attended Protestant schools are more than twice as likely to be in an intact marriage Hmm. as those who attended public schools.
2: And you know what strikes me about that is that doesn't mean that everybody that teaches at that college or everybody that attends that college is saved, but just the mere acknowledgement that there's a design and that there's an order and that there's a purpose. It's amazing what that does for the outlook of everything you're involved in, including marriage. And when you're taught that nothing comes from God and there is no purpose and everything is chaotic, it's no wonder why marriages fall apart the way they do in our culture today. Mm,
1: you know, um, the, the founding fathers, way back even before the Constitution, there used to be a requirement that you believe in God to run for office. <laughs> yes. And the reason being is that if if an individual uh, – uh, didn't believe in a God, in an a- which would mean he didn't mean an afterlife, which would mean he didn't mean a judgment for his actions right. on earth. He's not going to be good, scrupulous in uh, anything he he's does. Have, he's, there's, no, there's, no, yeah. there's no fear of God great, in him. He'll do what he wants. That's a great litmus so, test. So, your point about a Protestant, uh, even understanding that there's a God, if you understand that that there's a God, which everybody does, but intuitively you understand also that there is a uh, an accountability for right. your actions. Yep. All right, so they are also about 50% less likely than public school attendees to have a child out of wedlock, that being uh, Protestant, Protestant Protestant school attendees versus public schools. So they have uh, uh, also 50% less likely to have an out-of-wedlock out of child. Among those who have ever married, Protestant school attendees are about 60% less likely than public school attendees to have ever divorced. Hmm. 60%. That is That's a big number. Very significant. Yeah. That's a huge number. Compared, uh, I'm, I'm doing bullet points here, folks. Third bull, bullet point. Compared with public school attendees, ever married adults who attended a secular private school are about 60% less likely to have ever uh, uh, divorced. Mm-hmm. Catholic school attendees are about thirty percent less likely to have had a child out of wedlock than those who attended private schools. Now, our uh, public schools. I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, we don't uh, we don't accept Catholic theology, but Catholics believe in a God. Mm-hmm. They believe in death, burial, and resurrection. And they believe in the
2: calling of marriage, and they believe you know, yes, these are some and, things that and they, they
1: have strong families. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there's some really interesting. Uh, observations about what kind of school will help your kids to be happily married? A phenomenal question.
2: Well, I know I'd like to weigh in on that as a pastor, too, is why in the world would parents not want to have their kids in church? I mean, if if just having a basis point in a school helps their kids to have that successful, at least numbers-wise, of marriages and, and outlooks on their families. Then, then why wouldn't parents prioritize getting their kids in church and keeping their kids in church on a regular basis? Because mm-hmm. if, if just the gleanings of it help those things out in their lives in, in school format, think how much more it would be helped out if it was really the fabric of their faith practiced on yeah. a regular basis, uh, teaching your kids the value and importance of church. And it boggles my mind how many times parents think that this sporting you know um, team or this Uh, And I'm not against sports. I'm not against extracurricular activities. I did all of those growing up. I had a lot of fun doing them. But my parents never let those things be an idol that took me away from church or took me away from God. And I'm so glad uh, for my rootings in church because, you know, I've got a family um, that God is blessing. And and we love what God's doing in our home. And I'm praying for my kids that they find good spouses. I have them in church so they can know what a good spouse is. Um, Boy, I just... I just want to encourage parents, have your kids in church.
1: So we're going to do in the next segment another story um, kind of that this kind of uh, segues into. When the larger culture abandons God and biblical values. This is a guy named Michael Brown, and uh, he's a believer. I don't know if you know who he is. I think he's a church of God guy who we would, di- we would disagree on some things there also, but in terms of the basics of salvation, we're on the same page. And he writes some really good— uh, Powerful stuff. I didn't agree with him on Trump. He was, he went sideways. <laughs> uh, but he has a, a what looks to me like a very compelling article I've, uh, that I want to share with you. That I've not read the whole thing, but the first few parts of it. So we're going to do that when we get back, and then we're going to finish up in our etiquette uh, segment with uh, Pastor Levercy. He's going to give some thoughts on um, on what. Well, I think Fatherhood that, and— Yeah,
2: what what being a father is and what being a son is. Yeah, so, to so.
1: so you just taught this at a uh, uh, retreat. Mm-hmm. Father, my boys are all gone, and I couldn't go, but uh, um, that will be very interesting. Usually we have our etiquette thing, and yours truly— uh, Senator Azinger forgot his book! <laughs> so, well, that's so, all right.
2: You wrote it. You should have it memorized. That's,
1: that's true. What am I, what's <laughs> the deal there? All right, you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, with my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversee. If you missed the first segment, folks, go and uh, get the podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. We interviewed Abby Johnson, who many, many people know or know of, and she's the guy who worked in a Planned Parenthood clinic, um, was a rising star in the whole abortion movement, Within Planned Parenthood, mm-hmm. and she uh, ha- had an experience where she saw an abortion. Yeah. Oh, this baby killed a baby. How about that? And, and it just, I, you know, I heard a story, Pastor. This is, uh, I know, I didn't hear it, I read it. This gal who um, she'd had like eight or nine abortions. Wow. And she went in and it never bothered her because she was lied to. Right. Told it was a clump of cells. Right. Told the baby didn't feel pain.
2: It was just a procedure. And... Yeah.
1: Which Abby Johnson said. She t- she Abby Johnson said, she I, She said, I, hundreds of times I would tell the girl, because they always want to know, will my baby, they call it a baby, will yeah. my baby feel pain? Abby, J- no. Yeah. Because they go before a certain time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many months. But, uh, uh, so this, this gal had, uh, eight or nine and then she saw something i forget what it was she saw something in the in the clinic that made her realize that her babies were babies
2: yeah what's even amazing with and
1: done? she just real quick yeah she flipped out yeah she went into the bathroom at the clinic and she
2: did she just lost flipped it, out
1: huh? and i don't know if she ever came out of it. i i lord i hope but wow uh, uh they lied to her and and how they ruined her life and, you know, eight babies. Yes. Wow.
2: Well, it's like, even like Gabby Johnson said, she said, you know, I was, I was totally into it. You know, I I thought I was helping ladies. I thought I was helping, you know, families. And she said, until I witnessed the abortion and I saw the baby pulling away from the abortion instrumentation in Mm -hmm. pain, like on the sonogram or the ultrasound or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality of it right there.
1: It, the the whole thing is so gruesome the whole industry well, i think it's I, demonic it, it it is absolutely uh demonic but she she used to tell a story uh, abby johnson um i don't i think it was in the book probably in the movie i think it showed it in the movie too not in gruesome details but but after an abortion they have to they have to piece the baby back together to make, make sure they, they got everything yeah, out. Make sure they didn't. Oh, man, I can't and imagine. And she, would, that. she would say, "Oh, look at the cute little hand." And yeah. Look at it. And it never, it never. Oh, I don't know well, how. Well, you know,
2: and it, it, that's always been a struggle for me to understand. And even Scripture explains it this way: that He gives that God that their conscience becomes seared. Mm-hmm. Like, like we have a conscience, right? That that almost right away tells a man this is good this is evil it's just the indelible mark of god on his creation right. i know we're all fallen sinful people but we're given this conscience and uh how badly does your conscience have to be seared that you don't recognize life when you see it
1: hmm. i i don't i don't know uh you know what's ironic we're talking about abby johnson here um uh, but uh she came out of a southern Baptist home hmm. Maybe the church was weak in its preaching. I don't know, I don't know, but uh, she, she went to a campus mm-hmm. where that uh university that she was attending I forget which was uh, allowed Planned Parenthood onto the campus, and she was enamored by it, she was yeah. seduced by it and went into went into that industry, yeah, and she said she you know she said um in an uh interview i was I was watching this afternoon uh she – somebody asked her, did did, did it break your conscience – I think it was Sheila Walsh with uh, CBN – did it break your conscience to work at Planned Parenthood? And she said, you know, I don't remember, but it must have because I didn't tell my parents I worked there for a year and a half.
2: So that says something, doesn't it? It says
1: everything hmm. right there. Yeah. So um, this article is from stream.org by uh, a preacher named Michael Brown. The title of the article is When the Larger Culture Abandons God and Biblical Values. So, so many things happened in the 60s and 70s that you can't deny the fact that there was a spiritual overthrow of some sorts uh, that we didn't see because it was in the heavenlies and uh, Mm -hmm. it was uh, uh, within the realm that isn't flesh and blood. Um, And abortion was one of them, 1973, I think it was and it was a supreme court decision it wasn't even close yeah it was 7-2
2: yeah
1: uh do you know that in great britain the voters voted for abortion in great britain in america the supreme court did it but nobody um overthrew the supreme court nobody was with pitchforks right and um now that that said there's a whole lot of people that fight uh, the abortion industry but but uh, here we are so um Michael Brown, is, in this article, um, talks about the seismic shifts in American culture. He said, I have often cited the findings of psychologist David Myers, who noted that had you fallen asleep in 1960 and awakened today, would you feel pleased at the culture shift? You would be awakening to this. From 1960 to today, a double divorce rate, probably more than that. Yeah, tripled teen suicide rate, quadrupled rate of reported violent crime, quintupled prison population, sextupled percent of babies born to unmarried parents, sevenfold increase in cohabitation, which is also a predictor of future divorce. Mm -hmm. Soaring rate of depression ten times the pre World War Two level by one estimate. You know, that's interesting, isn't it? It is. That depression is ten times worse than it was before World War Two. Hmm. So all of those all of those things that I just read off are are phenomenon that have happened uh in the last fifty years, last sixty years.
2: Yeah and you know i think it just speaks very very loudly to the fact that when you pull your anchor from the mooring of of moral fortitude that you're 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 a ship that's about ready to get sunk you're 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 in the you're in the tides of whatever man's fancy is at the time and it's going to toss you to and fro and that leads to uh, a limited self worth that leads to which causes all of these suicides it leads to a lack of purpose or calling which which speaks to these dissolutions of marriage and the the family structure breaking apart um, just so many things that you listed there that have changed in the past you know fifty sixty seventy years can all be put back on the shoulders of of our culture making the decision to pull away from the word of god
1: mm. and so if, if as a culture, these things resulted from leaving the Word of God, then can we get back to these things without returning to the Word of God?
2: That's absolutely not possible.
1: <laughs> right. Patriotism, and I love patriotism. I'm as but patriotic as they come. Yeah. I got a flag. I went to I don't know how many Trump rallies and the whole deal. I'm a patriot. You're a patriot uh patriotism isn't gonna bring revival
2: it won't repentance but the will. only reason that i think you're a patriot and i'm a patriot is because of if, if if being a patriot was only about the country which i understand what being a patriot means technically but but what we're for is a country that was founded on the word of god and and that's kind of what i mean by patriot anyway you know i'm uh, one country under god indivisible with liberty and justice for all you know that that's that's what i mean by patriot i mean yeah Great America, great economy, great you know freedom, but you don't have any of that. Honestly, you can't have any of that without the Word of God. It's no. impossible. Look at all the other. Look at history. Look at all the other countries. Look at all the other nations that have taken place. They don't have a glimmer of what America's enjoyed uh, being founded on the Word of God.
1: Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Yes, there are no exceptions. There are no exceptions. So uh, as we walk away from God more and more. Uh, we're not going to be blessed. No, we can't. We can't be saying God bless America. Look, I love to say that. I love to hear it. But why? Why is God blessing America if we, if we continuously, uh, in a profound and more profound manner, uh, just put our fist in God's yeah. face? How do we expect expect blessing from that?
2: Yeah, it just can't happen.
1: It can't happen. So that's what we need. We need the Lord. Amen. Uh, but, uh, I'll see where well, I'm looking at the clock here. So anyway, that's, uh, that is the, the story on that. That's a, it's a long article. If you want to read it, it's, it's uh, interesting. The larger culture abandons God and biblical values or when the larger culture abandons God and biblical values. All right, folks. So what we're going to do in the final segment, uh, Pastor is going to basically just give some principles uh on fatherhood, I think. Is that right? Yeah.
2: Well I'll talk about fathers and sons and kind of what the responsibility is in each calling.
1: And so, this is what you taught at the father son retreat. Yeah,
2: just a just a little glimpse of it. I think it'll be a help to you know, I think in our culture people are confused about a great many things. And I think yes. one of the most confused areas of our culture is the family. People don't know what they're supposed to do or who they're supposed to be and what we have is we have a bunch of people living together but not necessarily doing life together and i think that the bible speaks to us really doing life together
1: and this was a recent retreat this is yeah it was just this past weekend yeah so this wasn't uh, 10 years ago this is very very fresh all right folks this is a voice of truth radio show we'll be right back Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. I'm Mike Gazinger with Brian Leversy, pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church. I am a state senator. Don't hold that against me. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're just going to talk. Uh, you, you spoke at uh, the uh, Fellowship Baptist Church mm-hmm. where you pastor. Yep. And from where we uh, record. Uh, had a follow summer retreat yeah
2: just this past weekend it was a lot of fun we of course we live in a beautiful state you know west virginia is just yeah, gorgeous and, yeah uh we went down south a little bit into um kind of the the beckley area maybe a little further south than i saw
1: a video of somebody stalking the pond mm-hmm,
2: with, yeah we got trapped so nobody
1: sp- told me they'd be stalking a pond no. right at, well it didn't I it my out. boy out of the army so this
2: is what happened we went there we grabbed our fishing pools and everything we went out to the pond to do our our fishing derby and uh a good a good number of those trout were floating on the top of the pond ah, no. and and the reason why is because uh we've just been so unusually warm in the water and of course trout are cold water fish and the shock of moving into a new pond and it being so warm i don't think worked out real well so if so. you grab the
1: dead ones does that count it does. does oh we it counted count. them oh, okay. yep. <laughs> they don't taste as good <laughs> <That was right. laughs> Well, uh, but it was a good time. No good a good deal. time. So you're just going to talk uh, a little bit yeah. about well, what you taught. Well,
2: you know, during this segment, typically we, we do like an etiquette thing about, mm-hmm. you know, how men should behave, how, how boys should behave. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, we we kind of see in culture what we should do. But, you know, it's good from time to time to get a sense spiritually how we should behave as well. And uh, what I taught there at the Men in Sense retreat is really what – what really are we expected of as fathers and as sons in that relationship together? And I think many times we tend to overcomplicate things. We make things more complicated than they should be, and then we get discouraged, and so we don't do anything. At least that's the way I operate. (laughs) If something's too complicated, I usually try to stay away from (laughs) it. But the Bible usually makes all these things very simple. And um, so I just shared some things with them from the book of Proverbs, and I would recommend this. Uh, Men, when your sons hit a certain age— Start making your devotional time with them right through the book of Proverbs. That whole book is essentially mm. a father giving wise counsel to a son and going through the paths of everyday life, looking at the sluggard over on the side of the road and saying, hey, look to the ant; don't be like the sluggard. Mm. Looking at the what the Bible refers to as the strange woman or the enticing yeah. woman and yeah. saying, hey, walk the other way. Uh, son, if sinners entice thee, consent mm. thou not. So it's just really good practical teaching that I think any father could go through with his son. So I, first of all, I recommend that. Um, but the whole prelude to really the meat of Proverbs explains what Proverbs is for, and it's for downloading um, truth to your son. And, and that, I think that's probably one of the primary functions of a father. What, if you say, okay, I'm a dad, what should I do? download truth to your son. Make sure your son knows the truth. Because mm-hmm. if you're not the one speaking into your boy's life, someone will grab his mm-hmm. ear. Definitely. Someone will be speaking to him. Yes. Um, so a couple of thoughts in that is, my first thought to these guys at the retreat was, does your voice sound like God's voice? And in Proverbs 1, verse number 7, the Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, sometimes dads are quick to to sound like themselves when they're talking to their sons. Uh, We speak in the voice of frustration. We speak in the voice of fatigue. We speak in the voice of just do this thing I told you to do, right? But we need to stop and take an inventory of our words to our boys sometimes and think, am I really speaking to my son in the voice of God? Like when my son hears me, does he hear God's words, hmm. you know? Um, I get it. We're dads, and and we want our kids to do certain things. We want them to be certain ways, and so we'll speak to them. But do they truly hear the voice of God coming from us? You know, our calling isn't to be God to our children, but our calling is to point our children to God. And it, it is easy, isn't it, just to kind of get in the flesh when we talk to our kids? Yes. Yeah. So, So I think that's important. And then the second point that I shared with these guys at the retreat was— um, in verse number eight, it says, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother. And so for a dad, do you have the same voice as your spouse? In other words, are you on the same page? Like when you speak to your children, have you created an environment in your home where you and your wife are getting along in the word of God together? Hmm. Do, do, do your kids hear the same thing from you as they do their mom? And so first of all, do they hear the voice of God when they hear you? And then do they hear the voice of of you and your spouse together when you're speaking with them. It's important that our kids have a unified authority in their life. That's one of the reasons why I like schooling my kids at home is because I know they're getting the same thing in church as they're getting at home, as they're getting at school. And the more unified the teaching is, the more effective the teaching is because they're hearing the same voice all the time. I think one of the worst things that can happen in a home for your sons or your children is to have a discrepancy in your voice in in the home. You're saying one thing, your spouse is saying another thing, and you're not on the same page. And then the last thing that I shared with them at this retreat was, for they, speaking of the instruction, the instruction will be an ornament of grace under your head and chains about thy neck. In other words, is what you're saying to your kids actually things that they want to adorn their lives with? Like when they hear you, do they hear just an angry, stuffy, out-of-touch old man, or or are they hearing things that they actually want to put on in their lives? Are you speaking to them in the grace and in the love of God where they want to put on what you're actually saying to them? So I think that's the role of a dad. You know, what's the etiquette there spiritually? Hey, speak in the voice of God to your children. Speak in the same voice as your spouse to your children and speak things to your children that they're actually going to desire to put on. Like they see you putting these things on in their life and you look good in them and when you're speaking it to your children, they want to put it on as mm. well. And then what's the one role of the son in all of this? Listen. To listen. <laughs> right. To listen, to actually download yep. the information and put it to work.
1: Yes. I don't know how many times I said to my son, son, listen to your father. <laughs> because it's scriptural, right? That's it what, is. That's what Solomon was saying. Hear the Hear the word, uh, voice of the father, I think, uh, over and over. But um, uh, another another thing that um, – and and those are really – really good i i think it's so important you're right for mom and dad to have the have the same voice and and not to contradict each other and and um uh you know for the the man to be a strong leader and and those are always challenges Mm -hmm. in in this day and age but but uh uh you know we need strong families there's 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 nothing that you know I'm, i'm a Political guy, I think of government uh, a lot just because that's what I do. But uh, a, a liberal governments, communist governments, hate families. Yeah, and there's no stronger force against uh, tyrann- tyrannical governments than families. Mm. Uh, I've heard that over and over just recently, and uh, so it's so important. Um, the Proverbs, man, I, I, it's a it's such a great book. I mm. used to read a, a, a chapter a day. Yeah, of Proverbs, it
2: works out good in a month.
1: I could. Uh, I could quote uh, I just have my my roommate say the first verse and I could finish the yeah. finish the, because I read it I, I don't read as much anymore I read more of the kind of the whole book yeah mm-hmm. uh, but that's great stuff uh, great stuff preacher sure. appreciate it and uh like my boy used to tell me, uh, Dad, provoke not thy children to rap. <laughs>
2: they know all the good ones. <laughs> they do. <laughs>
1: all right, folks, thanks for tuning in to the Voice of Truth radio show today. God bless you. We had a blast. And uh, if you didn't hear Abby Johnson at the first segment, download the podcast at Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. Have a great day, folks. God bless you. I will choose to.